who are we serving? Where is the portfolio serving? And the portfolio was serving largely to the young population, which is the Gen Z and the millennials, which is India is almost close to 900 million youngsters. So the biggest myth was that after India mein shopping karne kaun And just because it's not happened in the past doesn't mean there's no latent demand for it. I think amazing businesses can be built in these categories. When me and Abhay talk very often that if we ever get free from licious, these are the three categories. So I, I still remember the article that got published because we got a lot of free press out of this, right? I remember Deccan Chronicle printed an area saying success really got to these founders' heads and it's like our photo with all colored hair. <laughs> Uh, welcome to uh, the Unboxing Unlearning podcast. Thanks for being here in person. Uh, I'm Prasad Dwanga. Uh, I run a company called Antil Ventures. Um, and, uh, you know, I'd like, I'd like for all of you to introduce yourselves. Start with Asta. Yeah, um, hi, everyone. Thank you, Prasad, for having me here. So, I run a company called The New Shop, uh, which is India's largest convenience store chain. For those who don't understand convenience retail, it's a 24-hour open store that sells products and services which are consumed within the first one hour of purchase. I currently have about 150 stores in about 26 cities and um, growing fast, adding about 15 to 20 stores per, uh, per month. And uh, super excited to be here today because entrepreneurship is something that I closely feel associated with and it's my real vision to empower 10,000 entrepreneurs in India. Uh, by 2030 through the new Shaw franchise network. Awesome. Vivek? Hi, I'm Vivek. Uh, I work for a brand called Licious. Uh, and when I look back in my journey, I don't think I build Licious. I think Licious is building me continuously. So it's a very interesting. And let's have some interesting anecdotes of our life in our conversation today. Awesome. Awesome. Nihar? Uh, so I'm Nihar. I run a company called Dr. C. Um, Moved back to India in 2014. I was really bullish on the India internet story. And uh, I think for me, I'm from a healthcare family. So I decided not to do healthcare for most of my life. And when I came back, it was the obvious thing that India needed to happen. So health plus tech became a core story of my life. And been doing this about for nine years. And the one thing I've learned is entrepreneurship is much harder than you think. And you need a lot of support along the way. So, would love to inspire people and actually be a source of stories that people can learn from today. So, thanks for having me. So, I'll talk a little bit about uh, myself and Antil, uh, you know, how, what was my journey. Um, so, started Antil about seven years ago. Uh, the name itself suggests that it's an ecosystem play. Uh, ants are very hardworking, they work in teams and they, they're very organized under the anthill. So that was the reason that we took the name anthill. Um, the thesis was built on primarily two words, uh, scale and speed. Uh, you know, I come from a corporate operating background, uh, which is uh, where I've seen a lot of scale. Uh, my last role was with Genpact. Uh, you know, it was, uh, uh, I was there for seven years, uh, handled different functions, operations, uh, went into, uh, you know, sales uh, for some time, uh, led consulting roles. Uh, but at the same time, you know, we went from a 25,000 people company to 75,000 people company in a five-year span, which was crazy scale, uh, but with also the speed. Uh, we had to think um, like a startup. We had to think very creatively. 
uh, we, we went into new countries like China. We went into a place called Dalian, which was a Mongolia-China border. And we had to go and hire 3,000 people there. So there was actually a joke, uh, you know, and uh, you know, we, when our CEO came there, we said, we just put a board there saying trespassers will be hired. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it, it, uh, it just, uh, we realized that, you know, the whole angle about running BPO operations at, at large scale, you needed a solid process on how to do it. Uh, a, a quantitative measurement system on how to measure, uh, otherwise it would be chaotic for us, right, to deliver service to the clients. And what we used to do for General Electric, we were asked to do that for all the other companies now. So we had to also learn different cultures. Uh, so one of the things was, um, you know, for example, Nike was an artsy culture. And, um, you know, General Motors was a very strict manufacturing kind of a culture. So understanding the cultural aspects of different clients, understanding business models, um, understanding regional country differences was I think what I've learned over the uh, you know nine years that I was with Genpact. And that kind of taught, taught me that you know scale and speed are two important words through which an ecosystem can be built. So what, uh, you know, builds that ecosystem, for example, uh, right? Obviously capital, obviously marketing, obviously sales, and some business model refinement. So we said, okay, uh, can we bring that ecosystem to a young entrepreneur who is just building the company and who obviously has to scale rapidly? And that's how the idea of Antil was formed. And uh, that's, that's, that's when, you know, we started doing this. Uh, so just a little bit about the origin of Anthill. Uh, I'd, like I'd like for all of you to also speak about how did you think about coming into this space that you are in, right? And what is it that really motivated you to um, get into it? And what does it solve for? Yeah. Nihar. So I, I think my journey was actually quite uh, uh, it's serendipitous. Uh, I did a sequence of things that led me down this path. My first choice, I think there were two large rules in my life, which I uh, had to, un the first rule was, you know, dating and friends should be separate. Uh, I ended up marrying my best friend. So <laughs> second rule was don't, don't work with family. And I ended up starting Dr. C with my father, right? And I think that was one first un unlearning is like <laughs> rules don't matter. You have to like kind of see where life goes. And so when I came back to India in 2014, uh, I had this rule in my head saying I'm not going to work with my father. And uh, my father started CDR hospitals, which was one of the first corporate hospitals in South India. I actively moved away from healthcare. I went into computer science, spent most of my, uh, I would say, prior experiences building technology for social, for gaming. Um, studied vision, studied computer animation, and did a lot of stuff which was nothing related to healthcare. Come back in 2014, and I think the obvious thing starts to ha starts to happen, right? You start talking about interesting things. Again, I, my father's an entrepreneur, so a lot of our conversations were around businesses, and it started really playing to me how lacking we were from a consumer experience. I started consuming healthcare in India, and I only was a product as an adult of the US healthcare system, which itself has its own problems. But as soon as I came back to India, I realized that 
all the service things that I wanted, which I experienced as being part of the Silicon Valley ecosystem, right? You press buttons, things happen. Here, I was breaking my head, things were not happening. And, <laughs> and I was like, this, this should not happen. And uh, so I, I think that's where my journey started. And healthcare was, a. I literally think my father incepted me. I think this was like, I think there's a problem-solving nature to to whatever I've done in my life, and just started telling me so many problems about healthcare in India, and then I started consuming that healthcare, and at one point it just became unacceptable, and I said, okay, health plus tech is a story India needs. Uh, now that's where the story of Doctor C started. It started in the diagnostics journey. As I've kind of learned over the years, the biggest thing I've learned honestly is to follow the customer. I keep telling my team uh, when we talk saying, everything I've learned about myself over time keeps changing. Right, so I say I say I'm good at X, then I realize I'm not good at X. I say I'm bad at X, that changes again. And so what we started building with Dr. C was really, we will build what the customer needs, right? And over a nine year period, today we've built what we call the internet hospital, right? Can we rebuild what it means, what a hospital means? And we start our journey in preventive care. We say early screening and diagnosis is the only long-term solution to good health. I don't think there is anything else we can do. And so we literally moved into a space from moving from diagnostics to really helping people at scale. Today I would say, uh, that's a big focus area and I think with the population we have, I think we're the largest population in the world now and we are also the largest underserved population in the world now with, from a healthcare point of view. At the same time, we are one of the best systems of healthcare, I believe personally. Getting, a, getting access to healthcare in India is far easier than even in the US or UK. Right, so we are we have a significant advantage with the market available, and a significant advantage with the resources available. What's missing is the entrepreneurial ecosystem. Right, how do you actually build businesses that can take the scale of India and build a for-profit at-scale solution? And I think that's how Doctor C evolved. Uh, I could not have predicted where I ended up at. I think we were we were talking earlier, saying what you start and what you end up with often are not the same. And as an entrepreneur, I've learned to just follow the customer. And I think that's the story of Dr. C today. That's where it has brought us. And I'm very happy to learn from customers all the time. Fantastic. So what is uh, one mantra that, you know, I know there are lots of people say vision statements, mission statement, but those I feel are for the larger corporates. Yeah. What is that one mantra of positioning uh, yeah. that that delivers value to your customer from sure. a doctor standpoint? Sure. I, I think we've, we've asked this question over time and it's kind of refined to two levels, right? So there's, health is such a personal thing that you always have a goal for yourself, you have a goal for your family and then everyone hope, hopes for you know a healthy nation but it's, it's more like I want world peace kind of a statement. So really we kind of went into that. The first one we said is I am a computer scientist, by nature I optimize things and I optimize for my health. Unfortunately over the last 10 years as I've gotten into my late 30s, so many of my friends have been hit with diabetes, cholesterol, hypertension very early in life. Right? And so today what we say is very simple. How do we help people identify and solve their health challenges so that they can focus on their life goals? We're all trying to do something and health gets in the way. Right? And so how do we remove that as an obstacle for people? So I think that's where we ended up at. And at the larger level, at a societal level, I think with the internet hospital, the goal is how do you make healthcare as accessible and affordable as the internet. So regardless of where you live in the country, if you have 3G, you're, you should be one of our customers. And how do we make sure that health reaches you, right? So that's really what motivates awesome. us. So uh, keeping healthcare accessible uh, and affordable is 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 the mantra that yes. your doctor sees after. Great, awesome. Vivek, your journey. 
Yeah, actually, it was not the design. Maybe when I look back, there is some pattern I can figure out in my life. So I come from Chandigarh. Uh, when in tenth class, you know, everybody was choosing their streams. Out of fifty students, forty chose engineering. And I had, I obviously was ready to choose engineering. And that's something that data tells me that so many engineers, what will I do? I'll get lost. And I took commerce. And you know, that day I didn't even know, you know, what that commerce will do. And later, obviously, the path was maybe harder, you know, than an engineer. And uh, decided to become a CA. When all of us became CA, everybody chose to become banker. So people were joining after studying CA, ICICI bank, and becoming managers. Okay, so I said, yeah, this is not this is not what I wanted to do in life. And then I landed in Bangalore, worked in a technology company which was bringing a lot of US processes to India, etc. And going to clients' places, reconciling. So a lot of uh, odd businesses in 2006 got an opportunity to join a VC. And in that conversation, and this was the same uh, tech company's founder, so I asked him uh, what a VC is. So he said, yeah, after investing $100 million, five years will realize what a VC is. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So, And when I explained my uh, parents, uh, you know, I was 24 years old, that this is what I'm joining, my dad said, at the end of the day, you joined a bank who will give money to companies and it is unsecured. So I said, yeah, kind of. And and that era was, you know, VCs didn't even know how to bring money to the country. You know, there was no FDI, there was no FVCI, there was no AIF. And half the time was going in, you know, sitting with RBI, SEBIs, you know, to figure out how will we bring money you, and invest, right? Yeah, and how then, do you structure it? Then one of our investing company was Make My Trip. You know, people didn't even know Make My Trip is not even an India company, it is a Mauritius company. And then, yeah. you know, that went public in US, figuring out how do such. So it was a very, very interesting journey. And there uh, learned a lot of consumer investing. So uh, ID Fresh was one deal where I worked on along with uh, Kamal uh, and that is when whole love for this whole consumer started okay 2012 actually I did a very half-hearted attempt to put together a business plan on a laundry business also uh, you know and my first investor backed out say so I learned invest and I had no guts of my own to do it but some frame of or framework I had that problem has to be very large you know it has to be real yeah. it has to be large and it is not a copy model of somebody. This is this is the kind of broad framework I had. Because in India, you know, any business you try to start, you actually multiply it with 1.5 billion population, right? And numbers come in billions of dollars. But reality of any solution you do, uh, that solution is only applicable to a particular set of you know, subset of that large population, of right? So Excel business plans, we know nothing works, right? So, so this was my problem. So uh, there were a lot of friends who were starting. Neeraj was uh, doing paperboard that time. One of my friends was doing yoga bar. But for me, I wanted a space which is so large that even if I make a lot of mistakes, you know, the size of the sector takes care, you know. So, and the problem had to be real. And but I had no glue of meat. So uh, my uh, co-founder Abhay, you know, who was the real genius behind this idea. So he came to my door, you know, in Helion and being friend, great friend. So he brought this key meat me. I want to do something. And the idea was pronto meat, a quick meat delivery, you know. Uh, and with him, I actually learned, 
you know what the sector is and every time the number <coughs> was given to me or thrown to me okay so we did some analysis and realized that bangalore consumes 1 billion dollar of meat okay so now now we are talking right so you know and first reaction i come from vegetarian family always eat meat outside home never cooked meat at home never bought meat but i every all of us know how meat gets sold in india right so uh, so something was making sense but these largeness of the sector and the real problem you know and uh, me and abhay spent some time in the markets much before licious was even born in some of those markets you can't even stand right and at the end of the day it is food yeah. and when consumer is consuming that food it is biryani mm. you know you are you, when you are biryani is front of you you are just forgetting everything you are inside that food with your all the five senses so i think there is some big disconnect of the way market exist the way large 30 40 billion dollars of consumption and when consuming we are talking about this thing he said okay i think this is what we have found let's go for it the first battle was not with the world the first battle was with family yeah you know abhay comes yeah. from kashmiri pandit family i you know banya family telling my dad that's all hell broke you know somebody is saying we'll disown you somebody says no don't use my name so all that you know my dad you know he's a punjabi dad in chandigarh he said what will i tell others i said why do you care so you know this is this is how a fancy start is okay and now welcome to the world of vcs fundraise right i realize i think 90% of our vcs are vegetarians maybe so you know vegetarian capitalists <laughs> you know so i don't know so everything was just telling us that this will not work okay and you are on the wrong path but my habit of going on the side way you know whether it was taking engineering or you know every call i have taken i think it kept on pushing me you know i think that this is the way and this is unique this is alone you know and 8 years out in this business yeah, i don't know whether i should say it or or not but uh, Uh, you know some big families in india will not get into this business right so whatever we have to do we have to do and at the end of the day sector is just completely broken you can't imagine none of us go to those meat markets i'm telling you if you go you will actually stop eating meat or you have to me move to licious right so i call it ki meat in india gets sold in gutter yeah. right and at the end of the day this is what you putting in your stomach No, in fact, I remember that my father used to wake me up early in the morning yeah. at six o'clock and say, "Go and drive." And I used to go and drive, uh, you know, uh, for almost forty-five minutes to go and get this meat cut by a particular butcher, yeah. right? Because and there was a line. Why? Because he serves good quality meat, right? That's that was the only reason that everybody used to go. But Look, I mean, when he's cutting the meat, there are flies coming on. There is blood stains. If you if you just go closer to him, you might even get that blood on you, right? Okay. It is so. It was so uh, that experience of uh, going and getting meat from the butcher was not a good experience. Was one thing actually, all of you may not know that meat is lying in an ambient temperature. every by every single minute the microbial load on that meat is just multiplying in millions you know and we don't consume like japan korea you know sushis if you end up making anything out of our meats 
I am telling you, we will kick the bucket. That is that is the state of our meat. You know, we just so much overcook in our pressure cooker, so maybe we are safe. But that is the that is a state of affairs. And globally, trust me, it doesn't happen like this. Yeah, yeah this is uh, India's gift. Uh, you know, with our so I call it. Uh, are actually hypocrisy around some of these sectors have led these sectors to be like this you know whether it is meat which is in black color polythene we hide it so we don't talk about it yeah. okay uh, you know whether it is sanitary pads condoms you know is not alcohol. that alcohol, alcohol and is not that these categories are uh, not consumed i i think amazing businesses can be built in these categories when me and i talk very often that if we ever get free from licious yeah. these are the three categories so my next business is you know is i going to be around here yeah that is that is what kind of problem we deal with yeah and i think one of the most important things that resonated with young entrepreneurs when you gave a uh, talk in one of the Antil uh, sessions was exactly this about packaging, yeah. right? I mean, there are four things that come in a black packet in yeah. India, uh, and one of them you just took it and put it in a white packet. Yeah. And suddenly, when this packet of meat came in a white packet to your house, and when you open it, you just feel so clean, and it feels uh, you know good to see it in a white packet. And I, I remember you also saying that you didn't get approval initially because the white packet means what if blood stains come on the white packet, right? Actually, generally, food, food and white doesn't work. Doesn't work. Yeah. How did you make that work? Because we, it was not for food. For me, it was the category fight. Yeah. You know, we were fighting that black category, and we had not, no choice in my view to put that something in white to give a message, guys. This is what the sector deserves, and then this conversation. And many people ask me this consumer face on the pack, yeah. right? Uh, by the way, maybe that time no no celebrity would have loved to do a meat ad, yeah. <laughs> you know. So we said, consumer is your hero. Let's do it. We run a we ran a property called Face Hunt on Facebook. Very simple, you know. You come up with your recipe. If your recipe wins, you don't know. In thousands and tens of thousands, those entries came. People wanted to be so love for meat is very different, you know. Love given yeah. if you give choice, no people. Everybody wants to come to my office and cook a biryani. That's that's how love is. Yeah. But we don't talk about it yeah. so you know nobody wanted to join meat company <laughs> so, there is nobody wanted to invest nobody wants to join nobody so this is yeah. how that battle was so everything we had to do was something very different where people don't hesitate you know today when my my dad never told anybody that you know my son is a licious founder when i was first time called by harvard okay then he is telling everybody whom he does, the guy doesn't even need to know my dad is selling you know, my son is a licious founder so this is how our hypocrisy mindset is around some of these sectors yeah. no absolutely and you know i think uh, also the industry itself though broken is actually controlled also by some of these uh, you know who I'm talking about yeah. the 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 guys who've been doing this for generations, yes. right? Poultry farms and you know brands that have been doing for generations. Yes. I mean, how did they even react when suddenly you started building this business and today you're a unicorn in India, you're a billion dollar company. How did you go? I mean, what happened with this competition or the people who have been in this space for a long time? Why couldn't they do it? So that's simple as that. So I'll tell you what we did differently. Okay, yeah. why they didn't do it? Maybe you know we have to ask them. So, <laughs> but I'll tell you, 
when first day like you asked nehar no first day we actually wrote on a board that we want what we want to do okay so we said here yeah, let us not go behind any largeness we don't know how large business it will be my actually first business plan said in 5 years i'll become a 200 crore company that's all okay but we said we will build india's most loved meat brand we'll do everything which it takes to put together that meat into the bestest you know form in front of consumer even if very few consumers eat it's fine but when a consumer eats he should say you know wow this wow this this that is what we said we'll look for okay this was one second we said whatever we do for consumer now this is the definition of consumer we will do equal good in the sector okay so we'll go invest equally back so 50% of the org at any point of time is here and 50% of the org will work on the sector because we knew that sector is broken so that was a formula we adopted even today my supply chain which is not which is behind the scenes is much bigger entity than my actually front end facing entity so your foundation and, we, and back yes, you know it was it's very, actually very much much larger and stronger okay Uh, and there we chose early in our life to work with very small farmers yeah. okay very small producers okay we said we will give you guarantee we will we actually you know there is a very simple formula okay so chicken let's take a chicken example so chicken gets traded there is a daily trade price is called farm gate lifting price okay and that chicken crop takes whatever 45 50 days to grow the farmer only worries about that when i sell okay what will be the farm gate lifting price then okay the farm gate lifting price goes whole year like this and these some of these large players control these pricing yeah. okay and in case of chicken you can't hold your produce okay whereas lamb goat you can actually hold your produce for weeks months okay in chicken you can't hold Uh, so it'll actually become un un this thing unviable for consumption. So it's like just plus minus one day. So there is no conversation of quality. If the conversation is about some mandi price, how will you f- build a great quality chicken? Right. So we said, okay, fair. Okay. So what is the highest farm gate lifting price in last one year? Okay, let's do the deal there. But use for me, this is the quality I need. As simple as that. Okay, so he said, "How much chicken you will buy?" I said, "One ton." Yeah, yeah, that's all. Yeah, so this this just this is simple enough thing in Bangalore to serve Whitefield area was good enough to get started with. Okay, and the word spread. People actually, uh, there was actually a joke that there is a company which has come to uh, in Bangalore who wants gold plated chicken. Okay, they'll give you a price of gold, but they want gold plated chicken. So you know, so that's how the conversation started. We said, okay, so be then, and I, we had no pricing mechanism, Prasad. So what we did, whatever that cost was, whatever we did on top of it, we added some thirty percent on it because it was our cost, and we started selling. Okay, and you know, obviously, meat lovers who tasted our meat. So first few consumers, this also people ask, how did you find first few consumers? So we were ten people, and everybody said that everybody has to get fifty consumers, friends, family, fools. you know so bring it so 10 people created 500 customers okay and place the order fantastic and next next month so first month 1300 orders happened next month 90% people came back for that's this gold plated chicken that's all done that's how you start so this is this is your poc start. was done yeah. <laughs> poc was done yeah. so yeah. yeah awesome fantastic thanks vic uh, asta your journey 
and uh, how you built this business why did you get into this so prasad um, i'm a entrepreneur now since almost a decade or more and um, i i i think what i am today is defined by a lot of my failures and a lot of ups and downs that i went through so uh, i founded three startups before and two failed today i'm on my third one and uh, what i realized is you know new shop is a four year old company and um, you know doing really well so today what i'm doing is actually in alignment with uh, you know what my family background upbringing uh, was coherent in in sort of me achieving what i'm achieving today so a uh, little bit about you know uh, everybody talked about their family background so i come from a very different family um you know my father's side uh, is like i would say one of the first doctor families of india um so pretty much everyone grandmom granddad uh, pre independence uh, your doctors um um you know my dad's a doctor everybody in my family is a doctor so it's a hardcore professional family and my mom's side is marwadis so hardcore business class family and one of the early guys who introduced uh, they were called the textile kings of india so i come from like this you know turmoil kind of um, family background on both sides where you know one p one side of brahmin family worships saraswati and the other side is very lakshmi uh, uh, you know <laughs> worshiping uh, kind of community yeah. so one guys um, mom side i can't even count graduates whereas dad side they like super specialists in uh, various medicine fields so you know, re- growing up um, i grew up uh, one in my mom's factory or in my uh, in my family hospital and uh, there was always constant hustle around you know unka liye to paisa bada hai aur inke liye to you know you know education bada hai so there was always constant uh, pressure on me to perform academically very well and obviously become a doctor whereas uh, my nana side of the family would always you know teach me profit loss etc from very early age and uh, my dadi who is one of the first women doctors of india would sit and tell me about indira gandhi and madam curie and you know tell me to dream big and why can't i even become the prime minister of india some day so um, it's been a very interesting uh, upbringing and culture uh, but that's what i saw you know uh, my grandparents um, they used to really work their ass off you know dadi as a gynecologist would be called in 3 am for a delivery or uh, you know work around the clock hardly took vacations with their children uh, and my granddad was one of the first plastic surgeons of india so he's constantly working around the clock and no matter how much hard work they put in uh, what they would earn would be you know the number of operations they conducted yeah. and the brahmin mindset you know if a patient walked into our uh, uh, nursing home that i don't have the money to pay for the surgery my dad granddad won't even bother acha aapko operation free mein you know obviously nanas were very different but um, you know while this was uh, one set we saw um, i saw that my grand my maternal grand side uh, you know they were very wealthy so um, they were in textile business and um, of course they had their own set of challenges but for every extra hour of hard work they put in the roi would have been you know much higher than the extra hour that my granddad would put in in a surgery so um, you know i saw very early on how um, you know in a business the amount of wealth you generate is disproportionately higher in amount of the hard work you put in versus all due respect doctors are doing a great work but uh, you know that did sort of fascinate me and i used to see you know my nana nani used to be more available uh, for me and my grandparents parents never attended my birthday parties so uh, i practically grew up in my nani's house right because uh, the other guys never really they were just busy serving so um, you know the one thing that i realized is uh, 
you know, growing up both in a business class versus professional family, is that uh, when the business mind meets professionalism, entrepreneurship is created, right? Uh, and uh, I was always fascinated by the impact that this, you know, uh, you know, merger could create. And, uh, you know, I had my own set of journeys of failures and I was totally confused growing up which side I wanted to go into. So, uh, you know, joined science with bio, realized I can't even give an injection, insulin injection to my dadi to forget how am I going to ever become a doctor. Yeah. Um, then switched to uh, commerce, realized, yeah, this is too boring. You know, I'm too creative. Moved to arts, uh, kept switching fields. I studied economics and then fashion and then MBA in fashion, uh, you know, founded startups. But uh, uh, when I was getting out of my last startup, which was an uh, online reputation management company in the year 2017-18, I happened to make a trip to US uh, along with my co-founders to meet uh, Kevin Harrington, who's uh, one of the founders of Shark Tank. He said, you know, you guys uh, are tech founders and you chase like these dreams, but you know, tech is an enabler. Uh, and why don't you use this as a mechanism to enable something great in your country and, uh, you know, retail and uh, consumer products or FMCG is super powerful. And if you could use technology to, uh, you know, change, uh, bring about a change in this unorganized uh, sector in your country, there can be nothing more powerful and rewarding. So, uh, you know, Kevin introduced us to another um, large chain of retail called Patel Brothers in US, where one of the co-founders, uh, you know, and I sat and they made us attend a lot of these, you know, Shark Tank, pitch tank events as spectators and we realized how impactful uh, retail and consumer product is and back at home in India in 2016-17 want rate penetration was just about a 7% but what was even more pa uh, more uh, fascinating is that uh, you know Patel brothers introduced us to a very large Gujju community in US and uh, their stories is just amazing you know they're a bunch of people who migrated from uh, you, India to USA with literally nothing in their, um, you know, in their pocket with the large dream of, uh, you know, the great American dream that we'll do something big. And how they started was working across chains, uh, across uh, various uh, times in convenience stores, uh, you know, the 7-Eleven and the Dunkin' Donuts of the world, and uh, saved up money and then eventually became entrepreneurs and owners of those, um, you know, convenience stores or, or QSR restaurants and franchising gave them that opportunity that whether you know the language or not, whether you know the culture or not, if you're ready to work and put that effort out there, uh, you can really create that wealth for you and yourself. And, you know, today, uh, one of the founders of Patel Brothers is one of the founders of Patel Brothers. He was once an immigrant in USA and built this entire huge amass of wealth. So, um, you know, with New Shop, we just uh, knew that we want to create an impact. And India, you know, people are obsessed about entrepreneurship. We don't know this, but um, uh, it's, it's uh, you know, a few years ago, there was a statistic that came out that 80%, 83% of Indians would become entrepreneurs given an opportunity, but they fail. And socio-cultural factors, et cetera, obviously uh, account to that. And not everybody wants to build a unicorn. They just want to become wealthy, uh, upgrade their standard of living, and franchising as an opportunity gives them that. So uh, with Newsha, we knew that we're going to create a solid made in India retail brand for the world and empower entrepreneurship with a grassroots level. And that's what we started doing. Uh, we have so far created 150 entrepreneurs, of which about 10% are women. I'm very proud of that. Um, gives them, in fact, there was a woman founder who came to me the other day and said, you know, I'm the highest bread earner in my family. She's from uh, Allahabad and now moved to uh, Delhi to run her store. 
and there's nothing more overwhelming and fascinating than uh, making people uh, you know uh, kings of their own lives uh, and and a part towards wealthiness and a better standard of living and like my nana used to say become a job creator <laughs> not a job seeker so we're creating more of those and uh, that is what our journey is in uh, hoping that uh, you know we can uh, create more impact in entrepreneurship not just in india but pretty much everywhere in the world fantastic you know uh, i think what uh, caught our attention when we decided to invest in you was uh, the name itself the new shop right um it's you've taken you've taken a 711 kind of a model and then you infuse that uh with new products as well as a percentage of the overall products that you have in the store uh that created some level of uh, disruption in the business model right and which also created a platform for new companies or new brands to come and display themselves which also creates additional revenue or higher margins uh, ideally right um and the second thing that also uh, really caught our attention was the kind of analytics that you were doing on the shelves right so t- tell us a little bit about that so prasad i have to first of all thank you because uh, we covid babies and trust me back in the days nobody would have thought that offline retail is going to be the future of india and you took that bet so uh, thank you for getting us to where we are today um and like you rightfully said uh, i think we first met when we launched our first railway station store yes. and uh, the reason why we uh, you know there are a lot of biggies in the industry the reason why we land- landed that contract with indian railways was because of the analytics and transparency in retail that we were offering which is not there not just in india but in most part of the world so retail is very inefficient and retail is uh, not at all data driven and that's the first thing that we saw um, was was an impact we could make and when we went to the railway ministry we literally just showed them here this is our dashboard uh, you can track track real time it's cloud based is really cheap on who your customer is what they're selling how they're selling and guess what um, we're going to make new shop as as like the gateway for uh, all new cool made in india brands So why are we still selling international brands at our railway stations why can't we just promote made in india products and give them that face and that distribution that they're looking for at our stores and um, that was just a simple pitch and uh, uh, you know me as a woman founder uh, walked in out with a contract and uh, we actually got the contract within 15 days of our first pitch it's never happened in any corporate world so uh, we realized is that you know even the government in india is uh, you know there's a lot of government spending also going in the direction of infrastructure development entrepreneurship but more so around empowering uh, people to sort of come out and uh, you know tell the world who they are so it sort of also matched very well uh, why can't an indian company offer made in india products um, that are affordable pricing but best in quality value value products right to indian consumers and that's how uh, our first store journey began and that's when we met you uh, but the whole world sort of never believed that offline retail could be the next big thing that's the time when vcs and investors and everybody would just ask us uh, oh you're not going to even survive two years later uh, of course the uh, narrative has changed altogether but um, in fact today we are successful because we thought so differently from everybody else at the time of uh, covid where nobody was even thinking of offline retail and that's also why not i mean there's no competition yeah. 
which is growing and there's now international chains trying to enter India but we created a very strong positioning uh, from the beginning uh, because we thought different and you supported us. Thank you. So um, coming back to COVID, uh, you know, the pandemic changed uh, consumption patterns in India quite a bit, right? I mean, I see that uh, also even habits have changed. Uh, just that a lot of people used to go and watch uh, movies in theaters and now they watch it at home, right? Uh, that uh, only big spectacle films are still being watched. And this uh, trend has happened not just in the big cities, but also in the you know, smaller cities, right? Um, how has COVID uh, changed some of your businesses? And what was going on in your mind as to how would you, you know, innovate uh, or what did you innovate, right, in your businesses that changed? I mean, obviously, yours, I think, had like the most <laughs> success. So I'll start with you, Niha. Yeah. Temporary success. <laughs> but it, it uh, temporary success, but I think yeah. the habits stuck on, yeah. which uh, is, I think, the interesting part. So yeah. I think Dr. C, I view it as actually three businesses in one, right? So actually, I've, I've built three business models over nine years. Uh, and COVID was probably the second thing where... For about, I was an entrepreneur who essentially believed that you should have a good plan and then, you know, great execution will get you, uh, great execution will get you much farther than a great plan, right? So have a good plan, execute well, right? So we did that till about 2020 and things were on track. What we were, actually, I got a call from one of my investors saying, you're the only entrepreneur who gave me an Excel sheet and actually hit it <laughs> in my portfolio. So I said, and so I felt great and then, 2020 comes around, we again create another Excel sheet. This time it just did not happen uh, the same way we imagined because as soon as COVID happened, we just went from someone who had could plan and execute to someone who just reacted. Because most of the time for about two years, the demand curves just changed. There was no predictable demand in the industry. Right? So COVID was like, we went from, I remember at the peak prior to COVID, we were doing maybe two, three crores a month. and COVID, you go from three crores to 12 crores in one month, right? And it's not something you expect, but it happens. And then you react to it where on the back end, you're trying to hire as much as possible. We went from like a less than 12 months, we went from 150 people to 450 people, right? So you start, and most of this is just reacting. You're not, you're just trying to keep up with the market. And the reason I said it was temporary is we essentially, 40% of our revenue became COVID. So wake up, you're thinking COVID, what do I do next? And then second wave ends, and there's a steep fall. It goes back from like 12 crores to 3 crores. And you're like, what do I do? And by then you're, you're, you've hired more. You have so many people that are on your payroll. And I think for the next eight months, which is March 20, probably 2021, April 2021, things just start getting worse. Right? Things started getting worse. And by the end of December, we've stopped believing the diagnostic story, which is what I built the company on. Right, which is like, okay, what do I do? <laughs> right, and, and you will see that as a testament of this industry, there's a recent article by the Morning Context talking about the pointlessness of Indian health tech, saying $6.5 billion, where did it go? Zero sustainable, successful companies in this market in 17 years. And uh, they ask a valid question, right? So uh, one of the interesting things we learned in consumer behavior is COVID created this health awareness that didn't exist. Right, Everyone became more aware about their health. And the way it reflected on business metrics, it was probably one of the years where we spent the lowest on marketing, which essentially means all that money is coming to you as your, your take. 
and it's hitting your bottom line. And so marketing just kept going down and in revenue going kept going up. So you find yourself in a good position. And so what we studied over a period of couple of months was how do behaviors of healthcare change in referrals, right? So essentially that's where we started seeing consumers are telling each other, do this, do that. And in COVID, it was very, I think rec ref recommendation was the primary way people were trying to find things because yeah. nobody had access. It was limited testing. You found a reliable pro uh, provider. I remember April, May alone, we did like 100,000 homes. Right, and so suddenly we became this household name in Hyderabad, and a lot of people started hearing about us. Post-COVID, when we realized that the referral is going to be the biggest thing you're going to see, uh, the second trend we started noticing, which is Google and Facebook, like they started hitting their market caps, and number of advertisers stopped growing. Right, so the only way that they started making money is increasing what it costs to acquire a customer. Right, so you're just spending more for the same customer, and. I think there was a point in this business where we were probably driving 60% of revenue through performance marketing. And we were we got really optimized into that. And so we had to reinvent our entire acquisition. We said, hey, I think in, and I, had, I still have this thesis saying, if you're a sub thousand rupee brand in India, in five years, you cannot be a digital brand because it will be too expensive to acquire a customer. If your transaction sizes are sub thousand, and I'll add another caveat, if you're in a low repeat industry, so you can't depend on the customer coming back because the industry doesn't have repeat rates. That was story of diagnostics. No one wants a diagnostic test, right? So you're sitting in an industry where people want to test once, twice, paranoid test three, four times, but the large majority will not test. So sub thousand rupee brands will not be able to crack digital as a channel. So then we said, okay, then you can't have digital acquisition, though we were good at it. And then we started building. So how do you build a healthcare brand around sharing? And so we pivoted the entire brand into preventive care, where we said we were a curative care brand. We said curative care digital story is not going to work. So we went into preventive care and essentially the mantra became, how do I get you to tell your friends to do or and family to do preventive care? And how do we get the same word of mouth we saw in COVID? So actually we started, like the internal code name of the project was called the viral health check, right? So how do you build that? And that was a long journey, but I think the consumer mindset shifted to health awareness. We were able to detect that pretty much said, this is where the business needs to pivot to and spend two years doing, doing it. And I, today I would say I'm very bullish on this not being a temporary shift in mindset. We are seeing it play across two years and it's only been accelerating, not decelerating. Uh, so COVID changed the world for the better, but you had to adapt to take take advantage of the new world. And we are in a completely different healthcare system today than we were pre-2020. Absolutely. And I think uh, what COVID also uh, taught us is to be uh, a little careful about, you know, this whole health uh, situation, right? Like, uh, it's, it's better to prevent it rather than happening. So a lot more people, I feel, are actually doing more diagnostic tests now yeah. than before. Right, and they just want to ensure that they're fine. Mm -hmm. There's lots of vitamin deficiency tests going on. There's lots of allergy tests going on, right? And almost to the fact that uh, now they they also want a DNA, you know, yeah, that whole and, and test to see, absolutely. you know, what uh, potential issues can come up, right? What's next? But this, this next? early diseases, Nihar. So people now get so much of this hypertensions faster, so yeah. many cases of heart attacks. So yeah. that is not changing the behavior on diagnostics. It it is changing, but it's changing in a way that you that I think I call I mean we need to name this something right it is the moment in your life that you realize you're mortal right and it happens 
for different people at different types is usually a mid 30s it's like quarter life crisis this is like a 30s crisis that we all hit where you see someone in your family have a negative or friends have a negative health effect at which point you start caring right that started happening faster after covid because we all saw yeah. immense amount of loss so people like you said it is accelerating testing in a different way where people today are choosing to get tested without depending on their doctor right in the past you felt sick you went to a doctor and you got tested today what what you are doing is i just will do the test because in india testing is the lowest i think it we are cheaper than any other country on testing if you take a basic let's say a sugar test uh, you do a blood test for sugar in the us is costing cost you 100 dollars you do a blood test in india is 100 rupees and that too that's an expensive blood test you can actually do it for like 5 rupees if you get like one of the <laughs> point of care devices right so uh, the economies are on your side it is not a function of money anymore right healthcare preventively i honestly think that the average person does not need to spend more than 200 rupees a year on healthcare to screen for pretty much all the big ones and that brings it down to the affordability of everybody right and so that's where indian economies are as well as the indian population is it, we just now have to make the yeah. connection for it to happen it is happening it is happening i, I generally tone. call this problem you know awareness is there i think we have to build concentration when people really start doing it so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so and that's why sharing helps right if if i am telling you saying i did this you should do it we've seen that that works a lot better than the other traditional way of someone trying to directly market to you uh, yeah absolutely i also think a lot of doctors these days uh, have started emphasizing the importance of prevention is better than cure yes yes so are you also seeing that uh, absolutely like I, I, i think and this is getting accelerated by doctors adopting the policy of better to be safe than you know sorry kind of a model again fueled by covid i will say that's the shift where everyone is like yaar it doesn't cost you anything right and especially for a large percentage of the population getting a blood test today and i'll just if you give you an example of the economy so health check in india prior to covid this is 60 parameters okay uh, typically all your lungs major diseases would retail where you went to some physical place for 1500 for 1500 rupees today you can do the same thing at home at one of the online brands for under 399 they will come home do it and and you get the results on whatsapp and that is the difference that covid made and you're seeing the uh, so every time price drops you're going to get a bigger market mm-hmm. and we're seeing that happen in preventive care and i can tell you the same test that cost 399 you buy it retail where you walk into a typical store you're spending 3000 bucks right so there's a huge price differential that is now getting more and more i would say aware uh, more and more awareness is coming around the price differential to the consumer so consumer also knows Uh, i'll give you an example of vitamins that you're talking about a vitamin d test you go to a retail brand any of the big guys it's going to cost you 2000 2500 we have it on our website you can buy it at 2000 but that is if you buy it in, under the category curative care that means someone prescribed you you bought it under vitamin check just go to a different tab called health checks which will also have a vitamin check which is the same product but preventive care a vitamin check which includes let's say d b12 will be 600 rupees and you're getting more tests right so this is the shift <laughs> it's just on a different tab it, it's there on every website you go to every website that is doing healthcare in india yeah. do vitamin on their actual curative page do vitamin on their preventive page you will see like there's a 70% discount right and it, that's that's the world we live in and that awareness is only going up right and uh, covid made that happen so we're going to see more people test a lot more often uh 
especially in these categories yeah, and i still remember that you know i i was prescribed a bunch of tests so when i went to the, the app uh, of dr c and i started putting all these tests so it came out to be a huge amount then i called one of the you know uh, p- uh, persons who he said don't worry we'll try and see and then they actually grouped some of those tests into the uh, health checkups yeah. and then the price drop happened right so uh, i think one more interesting feature of this concept called internet hospital that you created is uh, is also that as soon as i finish my test and yeah. the results come in the evening right as it's really quick um now i have to see a doctor yeah and you you immediately arrange a call with a doctor yeah. and uh, and it's a video call with the doctor it's that's the most fantastic thing like for my mother who probably cannot go to the ho- physical hospital wait for the doctor you know wait for hours and hours right and because none of the doctors in the large hospitals come on time they their scheduling <laughs> sucks big time yeah. right so this is such an amazing service that you know you actually get the test done and immediately you speak to a doctor and then you know exactly what's going on mm-hmm. right I mean I think that's a great uh, value addition yeah, there. I think and most people don't realize and th- this is my marketing side speaking that I think of all of these as funnels right so every business is a funnel you have stage A stage B stage C the biggest drop in healthcare happens because going from step 1 to step 2 has too much physical movement you have to eliminate people moving from place A to place B and I think the two pillars and people of often tell me you're building a digital healthcare brand I'm like yes it is a digital brand but we own the home right we are a home healthcare brand where we are we want to take care home and that is the piece that you own so you are still an offline brand you just offline in a different way right i don't have a retail store but i every consumer's home is an interaction point that we are interacting in the offline world and so i think for us the the limitation to scale in healthcare which i say, i say especially in preventive care is you want to try and do more with less physical points right and i think teleconsultation is a great example of how do you do that yeah. uh and i can tell you that as soon as the uh, when we see, we saw this and i'll give you a simple number right so we said how do we create a page where you see your report your appointment should be one click maybe one click away right so actually two clicks so select an appointment time hit confirm and we started measuring that to just a simple example of someone going on two different pages right so you have to first see your report go to a different page book an appointment so one is 20% right so if you page a has your report page b has your doctor option the conversion is 20% you book it in the same page it goes to 53% yeah. right and this is just adoption it is just making sure the consumer you just have to highlight this is the problem you need to talk to a doctor here select an appointment time they will call you on time and that's i would say where technology really becomes an enabler like you said this is a healthcare space where the easier you make it the more participation you will get from the consumer but it is your job your business to make those transformations happen consumers are ready i'll say today india is a great place to build a preventive care business we have more consumers than i can serve i ask everybody to do preventive care cuz we have 1.4 billion people and uh, yeah these kinds of things happen once in a lifetime right so we had our like you said our demonetization for financial covid was for healthcare <laughs> yeah yeah and uh, we were asked the both of you run physical businesses <laughs> something that is real and something that you can touch and feel how did that get impacted and what did you folks do during that period what went through you uh, your teams for example what went through your mind how would you how did you react to this actually if it wasn't for covid that adoption of convenience retail wouldn't have happened 
So what happened was uh, because during COVID, the entire supply chain broke down, the traditional retail could not adapt uh, to this fast growing customer and they weren't offering standardization, quick round the clock access. Yeah. And you know, customers really, when they think of uh, shopping for their daily needs, they literally have to go somewhere. That going somewhere got restricted during lockdowns, sure. right? And like the closest uh, retail stores to all our homes would be like a two to three kilometer drive. And then you have to go there, park your car, uh, you know, you're wasting like some three, four hours. And then there are long waiting lines, right? So that traditional retail um, was not sort of solving the problem for the customers, especially during COVID when, um, you know, the customer not only got uh, more awareness on healthcare, but also for standardization, hygiene. I mean, never before did you ever go to like a traditional retail store, pick up the product and see expiry date or the packaging, right? Or read through the ingredients. And traditional general trade does not offer that experience to a customer. You can not interact with the product. The touch and feel element was completely missing in your typical general trade stores. Yeah. And um, that's what people started to get awareness of mm. and uh, wanted you know, a new kind of a retail format, which offered them the experience of experiencing and interacting with what they were buying, right? And we saw that very early on, um, you know, uh, people started reaching out to our warehouses, uh, you know, our store, khalo, residential area, mein khalo, hum franchise ko hai, right? Um, and that's how, you know, from November 20, uh, 2020 onwards, we started expanding into residential areas. Uh, there were a lot of challenges, uh, you know, we're the only chain operating 24 hours pan India. How do you figure out licenses? How do you, you know, the biggest myth was, Raat ko ke baad, India mein shopping karne kaun jate hai? And just because it's not happened in the past, doesn't mean there's no latent demand for it. And, uh, you know, that is interesting fact. Most of our sales, 66% happen after 10 p.m. Wow. So, uh, wow, wow. Well, what, are just, they, what are they coming and buying? I'm curious. Do you want me to say all of the <laughs> things right here? Are we selling black bags? No, we don't. We have beautiful, <laughs> transparent, white bags because that's where people believe and trust in food. Yeah. So, of course, uh, quick on-the-go food is our uh, number one category as it is in every convenience store. And if Raat Ko Barabaji you want a cake, Tell me a place where you can find it, which is reasonable, standardized, hygienic, and yeah. you can buy the cake and step out of the store within two minutes. So that, so convenience retail is a multiple trillion dollar industry outside of India. Just because it's not happened in India does not mean there's no latent demand. We just, sure. as young customers, we just realized, hami to log, uh, we, we, we are awake all yeah. night. I, man, thought right? you were, I thought you were yeah. contributing to the 1.4 <laughs> billion <people> population <laughs> indirectly. <laughs> Second thing that happened uh, yeah. during COVID is, uh, like you mentioned, people are not going to picture halls anymore. So OTT consumption started increasing. And that's what made people stay awake at night longer. Yeah. The work from home started making people awake longer. So they're binge watching uh, and they're then binge they're eating. And when they're awake. So the average uh, sleeping time in Delhi NCR, which is where we started out of, increased to maybe 1 a.m. at COVID. So all these things were happening. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we just saw that we are the young people who need this kind of a product offering. And, uh, you know, we just wanted one of these large convenience store chains to enter India. They weren't entering. Okay, we'll be the ones who will create the product we ourselves want to consume. So that's how the first set of residential convenience stores opened in various localities of, uh, you know, Delhi NCR. And uh, we never had to advertise. The advantage of offline retail is that till date we have zero CAC, right? Our big hoarding which says the new shop open 24 hours is just enough 
to ensure that in that hyper local radius the word of mouth spreads like anything and the young guys find a way to buy a quick smoke yeah. at the new shop store uh, you know especially for example women right again closet smokers uh, they won't go to that panwala shop at like 8 pm yeah. or even 4 pm or even broad daylight to buy yeah. a packet of cigarettes yeah. they'll come to the new shop store to buy the packet of cigarettes and that's why two products that have the highest affinity for us is gold flakes with kitkat because most of our uh, <laughs> consumers who are buying smokes are yeah. actually women and they don't like center fresh with it they actually like kitkat with it Wow, it's so, um, <laughs> a different I'm world. I'm sure Goldflake, uh, I, they they wouldn't have realized this. Yeah. No, they this don't. We had to let now. them know. We had to wow. let them know. That's so uh, and so with the uh, Kit Kat, right? We Gold had to let the Nestle guys Kit know. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So a uh, lot of you know, India is a very different country. There is my bulk of us are under thirty five, and these under thirty five are you know the millennials and Gen Zs. People don't understand them, and uh, nobody is actively thinking on what they need, what they don't need, and um, they. need experiences they'll spend yeah. money on experiences Absolutely. and they will go out for experiences and yes it's easy to order stuff home but let's be real don't yeah. we all like going out <laughs> you know um and that was the consumer centric need that we wanted to solve and we got it bang on with our first few retail stores but that's when we realized the bigger need and bigger problem yeah. which was a lot of people were losing jobs uh during covid a lot of fnb businesses were shutting down a uh, lot of different uh, you know a lot of people were just jobless yeah. and uh, they were all just looking at what do we do now and uh, you know as as you would know fmcg businesses are covid proof recession proof everything yeah. proof so they know that oh, that new shop store nearby uh, you know near my uh, home is open 24 hours there's always customers parked there and it's always full of people why don't i just get the franchise of that so uh, just you know it's our own customers who used to have an amazing experience at our store realize we're affordable quick round the clock and they don't have to waste their time we're hygienic we're clean they don't have to go to 20 stores to buy what they need uh, we they can get a print out at our store they can do a courier from our store they can uh, book a pandit also from our store they can get mehndi put during karwa chauth at our store so this is what the future of the country should look like especially the young customers who are traveled to like a thailand or uh, you know uh, various countries where convenience retail <coughs> is so big yeah, yeah. they just aspired ye itna bada wahan hai to india mein to bada hoga hi aur hum hi to bada karenge so they all started coming back to us and uh, you know before we knew we were selling franchises like hot cakes yeah. uh, but this was still delhi ncr yeah. and honestly uh, we never thought that there's going to be a large adoption you know i am a girl and i've grown up listening to acche gharon ki ladkiyan raat ko bahar nahi jati and you know that thing around stepping out at night is not a cool thing so while i hard ko delhiite I know that all of this is changed and evolved. I didn't know this, whether this change is happening in Chandigarh, Mohali, Meerut, uh, or you know, even deeper tier two, tier three, tier four cities. Yeah. So uh, COVID changed that. Work yeah. from home, timings, nuclear families, uh, people now moving outside and floating population, and uh, we started getting requests from like Mohali or Meerut or you know all these places that you know in our town, uh, while we have higher disposable incomes. we don't have outlets of where do we spend that money yeah. i mean yes there are some picture halls after apart from that where do where do i hang out there is no such place uh, so we think this will do really well in a two, tier 2 tier 3 tier 4 city as well and by the way this is all covid right uh, this is all happening during covid and uh, 
we were like, okay, what do we have to lose? <laughs> Let's just try one store, but uh, we'll run it as a franchise-owned company-operated store. We don't want the guy to lose money. You know, retailers in India are all loss-making, except DMART. So we were also a little worried about we're making somebody invest their money. We shouldn't, you know, that person should not be making a loss. So let us operate that store for that guy for some time uh, to see, you know, are we selling the right technology? Are we selling the right infrastructure, products? So almost you know, like a build-operate transfer right? model. So yeah. that's what we did. Um, so we opened first store in Meerut, three months, it's profitable. So you're like, okay, and we saw the part to, uh, you know, entire uh, return on investment would be 18 to 24 months. Yeah. And only convenience retail in India could do that. Or convenience retail in the world could do that. They're still profitable, still growing double digit. And that's because of that, you know, solving just-in-time need. Yeah. That that C stores, because we never have to discount. You no, know, We're not getting a custom because we are 10 rupees cheaper uh, in pricing than other stores. So that's another thing that we saw, that customers in India are value conscious, not really price conscious. Yes. And in COVID, that's what you saw. They were absolutely willing to, um, you know, spend 10 rupees more at my store. I'm not discounting, but because they're saving time, uh, they're getting a better hygienic product. And uh, one thing around retail is that more modern trade stores, um, you know, there's a pro shelf life, right? Remaining shelf life or expiry dates. So when products are manufactured by brands, uh, they get preferences on where to get the freshly manufactured product too. So modern trade stores actually always get 85% remaining shelf life. Then it goes to, you know, uh, e-commerces, <coughs> then it goes to general trade, and then it goes to Horeca. So we always got like the freshliest made products, and people would come see the expiry, and they'd be like, hey, say lena chahi, you know, pe, uh, versus that other GT store, yahan pe I'm getting the fresher product. So all of these things led to a very quick adoption, both in terms of who uh, our franchise owner was, as well as who our customer was. And uh, we realized, uh, you know, we've hit on something that is uh, a huge latent demand. We're not only empowering that customer to f get the best quality product um, you know, 24 hours uh, within a click or a walk away, <coughs> but also we're truly empowering entrepreneurship in India. Convenience store ka dhanda sabko karna aate hai. They don't need to know the language. They don't need to know any uh, exceptional business skill. Uh, we have the right training, we build the right training and we impart them and that's what we did. Build, scale, sell. And today all our stores are uh, franchise owned, franchise operated <coughs> and going, growing fast. All right, Vivek, your COVID experience. So if I look back, I think it's a very, very mixed bag. Okay, so good things happened, bad things happened, a lot of learnings. Uh, and I'll tell you one very unique story on the day of this lockdown, because Nobody knew that how long that lockdown will be, what will happen, how the world will behave, right? The, the first was that, I think the uh, little bit sense prevailed, we just said, let's meet. Let's figure out a way to reach office that day and let's have a chat. And then my first question to my CFO was how much money we have in the bank. You know, that was the most honest uh, thing I could ask. And I asked him, if we don't earn, okay, how long will run? Okay, without with paying salaries, you know, and that answer was good enough. So he said, yeah, we can go for like two years. So at least that worry was not there. Uh, and we have a lot of people work in our supply chain, right? There are there are meat technicians, butchers, delivery boys, etc. So everybody, you know, their worry, they don't care. They just care money will come in the month end or no. As simple as that, right? So we actually chose first first thing we did is we went on a town hall. We said everybody log into you know the link, okay, yeah. and we said, guys, Licious will take care. 
your salaries are safe okay yeah. yeah and uh, we will figure out how to operate okay when we don't know but you are safe okay and if something changes we will come back and tell you that you know something has changed from this stand the second problem we had to face was the government didn't know that meat is essential or not yeah yeah right is it essential services or not you know and obviously we are a big brand so that time we were a 200 crore company we actually reached out to the center government as quickly as possible and said uh, the animal husbandry ministry etc and they they acted like in hours that we got added in essential services so this is on the third thing uh, was pro running our processing centers right which are like large setups people come from their home you know and many of these you know their homes were not safe etc etc and we are dealing with food to so hygiene hygienic safety i wanted some of these people to live in some safe environment so they don't deal with food they don't fall sick with covid because if somebody falls in our environment then whole plant will fall sick right so what do we do so in 3 days we moved 600 families to hotels okay and all these hotels were available dirt cheap you know we signed up deals we called you know whichever are close by factories hotels we just booked rooms for months okay wow. so we signed the deal let's do it okay and then the problem happens is while people say demand is a great opportunity and that tons of demand is coming right and how the supply chain will work so you know the first thing people only judge the business from growth you know growth was the biggest challenge then how do you serve this growth every day we were just stock getting stocked out at uh, morning 10 right and here you have to deal with so much of workforce movement of meat etc etc okay but this investing in this workforce okay you know acted as a magic wand okay you know while people were getting laid off okay the word spread in market that there is a company which is giving three si three times food and a hotel stay come and join yeah okay 600 people to 2000 people in 60 days wow right so you know we said let's let's go for it and obviously whatever numbers you were saying same numbers a 15 crore monthly went to in 3 months to a 45 crores wow. monthly and maybe we could have gone to 100 but but let's be happy yeah. okay this is all good news <laughs> okay then the bad news right so then covid wave one happened okay and we could sustain a reasonably large part of that demand because i think customers could realize you know this meat is different you know whatever cac is zero so now people are at least getting good meat so many people stayed back then covid wave two happened then further went up okay but now you then covid neutralized now i'm just uh, fast forwarding the story now now you don't know in this your whole consumer set which is here for real reason which came for covid which will go back when right so you have so we call it internally a data of uh, a set of 600000 consumers whom we call light users okay so they don't uninstall our apps yeah. okay but they don't transact to like my normal Customer. you know repeat consumer a repeat consumer is like 3 to 4 times a month Yeah. but this guy doesn't behave like that but i have set this set of consumers in our in our story and then now based on those covid growth you end up writing business plans you know which which is not real yeah. 
and so that's why when i look back no it's all very interesting uh, journey but you know two three large learnings for me personally why did this demand come somebody knew about it so whatever brand work we did pre covid yeah. i think just on awareness helped you know why will people search alicious.com yeah right so that was a biggest ever learning right so that we said let's institutionalize this brand spend because there is a lot of confusion about you know how much money to spend on brand perf performance marketing is becoming costly and costly costly yeah. google and facebook are always going to kill you uh, you know so i think this whole story of investing on awareness okay and the formula around uh, you know that consideration okay first maybe awareness and then consideration for example telling the consumer one single truth about that category or product so we generally use internally called talk about product superiority okay and at some day if you can land that product superiority message in a tangible benefit which consumer can get while using your product i think is the best, best. brand marketing okay yeah, yeah. and this year 2023 so uh, you know i have actually myself stepped into a cmo role in the company and tried this because you know generally when i say that founders are fearless right so when they operate they want to do the right thing uh, you know i actually cut the perf marketing budget by 60% and brought it to 30% of my total marketing and just fundamentally stayed at you know brand investing and we grew you know more than actually annual growth rate yeah. than any other year so uh, you know so continuously if you just do this one game on product awareness you know and at some stage you know bring the traffic and lot of work has to happen yeah. then within your tech you know as you said yeah. you move this thing you know uh, reading your own funnels what consumer is doing on your app you know uh, for example very interesting learning we had is if a customer for example you three are customers and come on our app but you have come to buy chicken you have come to buy fish you have come to buy mutton you know this is a store experience within an app so a chicken guy you know in a jiffy you know the conversions are like 65 70% okay the mutton guy is very different and fish is like totally different ball game so building you know individual category stores within the app was also you know another game uh, you know you also asked this whole covid behavior uh, i think consumers are changing very very fast okay so uh, 50% of let's say chicken is the most we call it most commoditized but 50% of chicken sales happen from uh, value added cuts of chicken itself yeah. so not the basic chicken curry cut you know how the world has or india has treated ki you know chicken lows ko you know cut it in the pieces and put it in the thala our 50% of revenue comes from value added cut when a customer is buying actually a value added cut he is not making a chicken curry at home yeah. okay so i think the learning is now consumers want to cook a restaurant style foods at home this is the new wave which i don't think india was seeing now everybody wants to be chef you would have seen so many platforms right chef <laughs> being chef at home i also tried many times and failed uh, but uh, i think this is this is a amazing change which has happened okay and that is what another thing which we really thrived on okay so uh, delicious business we transformed in last two years okay 
पीपल से हाइपर लोकल ओके दिस थर्टी मिनट डिलीवरी टेन मिनट डिलीवरी इज हाइपर लोकल फॉर मी एक्चुअली इट इज नॉट हाइपर लोकल हाइपर लोकल फॉर मी इज इन डेली माई कैटेलॉग माई सिलेक्शन माई डिज़ाइन इज डिफरेंट इन ईस्ट डेली वर्सेज वेस्ट डेली वर्सेज चित्रंजन पार्क वर्सेज आई एन ए वर्सेज मुंबई ऑफ चेम्बूर विच हैज लॉट ऑफ तमिलियंस एंड एवरी टाइम वी मेक इवन अ स्मॉल चेंज ओके कंज्यूमर्स रिएक्ट सो वी डिड वी रिसेंटली री बूट वी कॉल इट री बूटेड मटन इन कोलकाता एट वीक्स अगो एंड थ्री एक्स रेवेन्यू ऑफ जस्ट मटन इन कोलकाता बिकॉज वी नाउ लॉन्च अ कोलकाता स्टाइल खस्सी मटन यू नो विच कंज्यूमर्स ईट दैट वे दैट इज द लोकल लैंग्वेज दैट इज हाउ ही गोज टू द वेट मार्केट एंड बाय सो आई थिंक हाइपर लोकल एज अ वेरी लार्ज वोकेबलरी दैन जस्ट मेकिंग द प्रोडक्ट्स अवेलेबल एंड आई थिंक यू नो वन आस्था यू नो कीप्स गोइंग यू नो यू विल फाइंड दिस होल हैबिट of locality if you, we can study it uh, you know and nobody can match it because that kind of uh, you know skill building at local level takes lot of time you know whatever competition comes with hundreds of millions of dollars yeah. it is a time taking process and more you keep doing more closer you go to customer so this is these are the few changes which we have yeah. brought in let's say this is i think uh, uh, very nicely put uh you know i think there are two things that you've actually brought this out one is that entrepreneurs have to be adaptable businesses have to be adaptable right businesses cannot be uh, that i'm going to function the same way you know it, through generations right and especially in places countries like india where things are changing so fast and uh, everything is changing around you you need to be always on your toes to be able to react and adapt to the situation and actually it is not one india yeah. prasad yeah. you know yeah, for actually fewer categories i am not saying it is applicable to all categories at least food as businesses yeah. okay you know see our food history from what we eat in kashmir and what you eat in you know kanyakumari yeah. delhi and kashmir yeah. you know so uh, you know delhi and you know uh, haryana punjab yeah. right <laughs> delhi delhi yeah. you know so i think this this broad brush mechanism i think it just doesn't work i think okay. it's true in healthcare as well right you yeah. you you as we moved across cities whether it is looking at a visakhapatnam versus hyderabad the behavior is completely different yeah, right? you have to be able to personalize down to that geography or serving and regard by the way i have we even have seen in advertising yeah, okay yeah. now i have this year uh, you know we are going to have six regional language advertisements okay with a very different take so i am not yeah. going to run what works in delhi versus what works in kolkata so we have done just done a one small advertisement around mutton you know called shera mutton shera in kolkata is like a original gangster so ogs of let's say that kind of word right. okay right. you know the camping flu and what i was doing 2 years ago you know delhi ad or mumbai ad of anil kapoor dubbed in kolkata ranet who cares yeah. Yeah. Yeah, maybe big learning uh, yeah. you know so it doesn't work Correct. when i am selling that mutton who's who's going to be bought by a bengali you know what i am serving on content so you know no, india is not one country as you say of it's course hundreds it of countries in one place right <laughs> and unless you hyper localize it is impossible yeah, yeah. there are actually 2000 sub ethnicities in the country yeah, yeah in in this whole uh, pyramid, pyramid there are yeah wow. two sub 
uh, and food changes every uh, hundred kilometers. Yeah, so it's not even states. So how do you build it? But if you build it right way with a slightly longer term view, you know, uh, then just like a quick five years, I'll do some billion dollars. I don't think. If you take a long horizon, do the right thing, okay? Then I think you are building something which can outlast all of us. You know, and that is the approach we have always taken at Licious. Obviously, we got beaten up by investors. We got have our own challenges, pre pressures, performances. But I think the only way to build companies is, is uh, this. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. No, look, I think uh, for over the last few years, even um, until uh, we just we were in different sectors. We were in health tech. We were in urban tech. You know, a lifestyle, um, media tech. We said we looked at all these sectors and we said. Okay, just let's look at who are we serving, right? Where is the portfolio serving? And the portfolio was serving largely to the young population, which is the Gen Z and the millennials, yeah. which is India is almost close to 900 million youngsters. It is unbelievable. It is the world's largest market for young people. And these young people are no different, for example, from any part of the other, other parts of the world, right? Like there, for example, if my daughter has to go to a grocery store, she will take her bag with her, with her instead of going and taking a plastic bag from there. So she's climate conscious. They want experiences. They don't want, uh, instead of purchasing property, they'd stay on rent mm -hmm. and they would spend some of that money on experiences <laughs> you know, uh, jumping off a plane uh, <laughs> over the pyramids, right? Yeah. Rather than going to Egypt and uh, doing a tour, right? Yeah. Like they don't do that. <laughs> like really? So that's how I think they want authentic, they want honest experiences, they want transparent, and they, they're conscious. They're very, very conscious about the climate. And I think this comes to the, my question around understanding the customer, right? As you pointed out, uh, understanding how to position the brand. How do celebrities, for example, or influencers <coughs> actually help the brand in a way? And it, all of you have experiences with that. So can you share a little bit on that? Okay, let's start with Asta. So, uh, Why Raj Kumar Rao? So before I get there, yeah. um, I'll add to something what Vivek said around hyper-customization, right? Hyper-localization. Uh, while you know we were growing the new shop, the reason we chose franchising as the way forward to growing our brand is because that entrepreneur in that different part of the country knows his customer yeah. much better than us sitting in our AC cabins in our head offices, right? And that's the difference we saw between our company-operated stores and franchise-operated stores. The min when we used to run our company-operated stores, we were doing well, profitable, but a certain amount of revenue. The minute we flipped that store to a franchise-operated store, that guy, uh, with our permission, changed about 20% of their product and service mix and actually started um, seeing about a 40% increase in their revenue. So that hyper-local customization, we realized the guy operating the store, interacting with that customer, knows it much better than us, right? So uh, that was our take, and I think you know, pretty much all businesses that empower that grassroot-level entrepreneur uh, is, is the key for identifying what your consumers want. We sitting in our office cannot know everything right. about every part of the country, right? Uh, we're in like, what, 26 cities? Um, even like Vivek said, within uh, Delhi, forget Delhi is still a big city, in Meerut we have six stores. Each and every store 
serves about a customer in that one and a half to two kilometer radius. And each and every customer, uh, a customer for us is a franchise partner, tells us uh, a different story altogether on what customers want, including the level of spices in a butter chicken pasta, for instance, right? It's just so different. And um, you know, we, we thought our answer to the problem was, let the entrepreneur decide how to grow the business. Now, hence, Rajkumar Rao came into the picture. So uh, we realized the way uh, to grow this business is to empower as many entrepreneurs as possible. And we wanted a voice, uh, you know, who can resonate with that, uh, you know, end, end entrepreneur, uh, somebody who has sort of built their life from scratch uh, on their own and, uh, you know, is known as somebody who's like this, you know, arm army uh, or arm woman uh, who was maybe an outsider. And if this person can do it, so can we. So, uh, you know, what do you franchise a brand? And we realized we needed uh, a brand voice that is as powerful as our vision statement that we are going to create entrepreneurs and anybody can do it. Interesting fact, all our entrepreneurs are under the age of 30. Sub young college students or, uh, you know, young kids who realize that if we get into a corporate job, maybe we learn 30, 40, 50,000 rupees. But with a franchise ownership, they're making like a lakh or two lakh per month as take home. So that's a huge difference, right? And we wanted that message to be communicated. Uh, and, you know, uh, thanks to the Anthill Ventures Workshop, uh, we knew, uh, we brainstormed with you last year, exactly here, uh, on who, you know, we just knew, I think it was Rajkumar Rao from the very beginning. We're big fans. I uh, love the way how um, an outsider like him created such a huge mark doing off offline, like true to authentic. India, authentic uh, movies. And that's what, yeah. you know, when we went to tell him about the new shop, we said, you know, you shampoo not buying shampoo, you're livelihood. And just like you, we guys are outsiders, not just in retail, but also in the you know startup ecosystem. Uh, and we're trying to create a mark and who better to represent us than you, Raj. And uh, you know, instantly got very excited, and it's unusual. Nobody in this world before has done, uh, you know, this level of franchise sales marketing uh, with a celebrity. Yeah, and I absolutely love that ad. Like the way it was put together. Uh, I mean, it said something about he was trying different startups, and then you know, finally yep. he comes up with this so idea. So each and every dialogue in this ad uh, with Rajkumar Rao, it's basically the ad is about uh, how you know a young guy from. Um, a tier three city in uh, Uttar Pradesh, uh, wanted to become an entrepreneur. Uh, you know, a lower middle class uh, family guy, gen decently educated. Obviously, father has PFs and savings, uh, and he wants to become an entrepreneur. And you know, he's gone across and tried multiple things and uh, failed at every because that's the real success rate of starting a business in India. Yeah. Uh, so you know, finances is a problem, uh, skill sets is a problem, hiring is a problem. Uh, you know finding the right business opportunity is a problem yeah. and then he just stumbles upon uh, the new shop ad in a newspaper and uh, you know while he's uh, doing puja so you know in india this is all about god sent signal yeah. and people really resonate with that <laughs> <laughs> so while doing puja he just opens uh, you know the ad uh, which he sees in the newspaper and uh, you know cut forward just one month later within 30 days he's an established entrepreneur so uh, on an average the gestation time on any you know business yeah. is is actually about 36 months on an average yeah. and that's when we thought that how can if we can bring it down to less than a month you know business shuru karo ek, ek mahine ke andar, we'll really hit the right chord because the sooner you start your business the sooner you start making money 
Hence, you know, our average profitability is about three months. So that's um, told Raj, he was super excited. And uh, we got going uh, with our ad and, um, you know, our average sales of franchise price is about 25 lakhs. Literally, we made that money back in a month. <laughs> All we had to sell was, uh, you know, a certain number of franchisees and uh, we sold that and, you know, it was an instant hit. So uh, what we, you know, the reason why that ad has come out so authentic, Prasad, is because, you know, it has certain dialogues that have been told to me by the society at large. Uh, you know, um, my father was a very entrepreneurial person. He's a radiologist, but he was very entrepreneurial. And, you know, he's heard a lot of evil things from, you know, uh, a very other part of my family, my maternal side on, uh, you know, her insan ke bas ki business karna nahi hota, or pedal mein utne, you know, pair filao, chadar mein itne pair filao. And, you know, there's a lot of evil um, messages that people communicate to that person who dares to dream dares to own to a business. Or you dares to change anything. And, uh, you know, like, there's a dialogue where the servant also says, ab to meri pagar bhi nahi milne wali, right? <laughs> It's 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 actually all these dialogues where uh, yeah. you know we've we've heard um, I have heard my family has heard uh, we're professionals right business nahi ki hai kabhi and and we resonated with those dialogues so much that we you know that's why it's come out authentic wo feeling hamari feeling hai you know we fa I failed in two businesses before that has come out in that ad and uh, of course Raj has had his own struggle journey so he also said it with that emotion that everybody who is, you know, in the in the studio that time shooting was actually crying and going back and saying, Mere papa ne tha, meri mummy ne tha, mere chacha ne tha. So that's the time. We realize this common sentiment that has uh, sort of made all of us uh, scared to dream big. And, uh, you know, we wanted to make those dreams come true. So this is our contribution towards entrepreneurship. Awesome. Fantastic. Vivek. Yeah, I think Indian consumer is a hard consumer. Okay, he doesn't pay money easily, but if he realizes the value, if he she realizes what I'm getting, okay, there's nothing uh, stopping back. I'll give you one data. We have roughly a lakh consumers who give us close to plus of fifty thousand rupees a year. You know, tell me a platform where you spend that kind of money. You know, and now you have a meat platform where you give. Okay, but they surely wanted to know something. So, what I generally tell founders, and this has worked at Licious, you know, from day one until today, we have invested very, very heavily on consumer inciting. Okay, so there's a function called consumer inciting, which are a team of experts which reports to us directly. Okay, so all the time we are doing consumer inciting. We never feel we have arrived. And every time there are, and there are, there are mechanisms which we have installed in our company. So there are blind tasting sessions of our product which happens on every category. Okay, all the time in different regions. You know, my chicken winning in Delhi does not mean it will win in uh, Tamil Nadu. You know, so, uh, yeah. you know, I realized that long back when we launched Tamil Nadu that cuts of chicken in Tamil Nadu is one third the size of cuts in, uh, you know, Delhi, right? So how do you know it? Yeah. How do you figure it out? Sitting in Bangalore in some office, you know, you can't figure it out. So I think staying close to consumer is, is a biggest asset and that cannot be with somebody that has to be with the people the who, with the founder, yeah. I'll say, yeah. who feel for your product and the consumer most. 
if you do that and keep your eyes and ears open you know what consumers are saying whether now it is your product innovation yeah. whether it is uh, your service levels you know whether what will work in future okay you may go wrong that is okay but you can still if correction also will happen when consumer tells you and you know you have to wait for this thing one i'll tell you one more uh, very unique thing on consumer consumer tells you a lot of stuff but in the categories like meat where actually vocabulary of meat is also missing okay so we made a joke in our office uh, we went to producers of chicken okay the producer of chicken in india deals with two breeds of chicken called ross and cob so any time you go to somebody he says i am growing a ross or cob what do you want ross or cob right so i'll tell you wait hold on when a consumer was going to the wet market okay he was saying i want a fresh chicken correct he doesn't care he doesn't understand you and do any burden of you understand ross or cob but you want fresh fresh means what a live chicken in front of you when that meat is cooked and is on the table okay when you are biting okay and i am again picking up example you see you judge the quality of chicken whether it is soft or hard or fibrous three people dealing in the industry one producer one seller buyer and final taste okay nobody is talking one language this is the industry i deal with so you have to give the language wow right and then consumers are saying soft right so and then we said uh, the language obviously came out in lot of conversations we did 185 people across six different uh you know uh places uh, we came up with the language that juicy is the marker okay so ye jo single malt or smoky which somebody has done it for us and we are consuming today i think this work we have to do okay and then we said if this is juicy how do you go behind creating so much of standardization that every time my consumer eats this okay it is juicy right so and we went behind it. it took us one year to figure out juicy and then we ran juicy ki ad then we said okay this is not good enough can somebody tell us with a certificate with the authentic city or with government participation that luscious chicken is the most juiciest chicken right the way maybe uh, horlicks of the world would have done or doves or fair and lovelies or we are fairer and there are marker i think the, you know i'm not telling you the conclusion story because there is some surprise waiting okay. from lishes in the market this is i think the kind of effort is needed to build that consumer uh, proposition you should in my view today after working 8 years in lishes i think 70% of effort should go in that consumer inciting right see mm-hmm. there whatever aastha is saying lot of consumer inciting you know consumer he bolta hai entrepreneurship people fail right this work will make your any kind of advertisement successful Absolutely. right and uh, and there we have actually tried many things under the sun while first ad we chose was with uh anil kapoor and uh actually actually original combination was anil kapoor and jackie shroff's banter you know so because foodie you know we call it internally our brand we define our brand as hearty gregarious gastronaut okay this is this is our internal uh, uh, hindi matlab of this is blissful rasik so we said we looked around you know we said cinema 
and who is that one guy who is foodie i would have signed up maybe you know shri rishi kapoor also in that but that is the kind of mentor we wanted so lot of character and meet here meet me problem bhi hai uh, prasad meet was always under right so uh, times was not printing our ad on the first page they were not ready okay we'll not publish uh, meet ad okay prime time nahi milega so you know this is nothing written right so yeah. we had to bring lot of authenticity to the sector you know when uh, when first time ad uh, anil kapoor ad came on tv you know what people called me not for business or anything people called me wow man vivek you have brought uh, meet on national prime tv <laughs> yeah so I, I, later we sort of were surprised so i said yeah this work also we have to do so yeah. i think a first entrant in a category has to you know set the benchmark yeah. you know and 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 in the first attempt it will not go right yeah. you have to keep doing it the right thing and you will fall in place when numbers will keep happening yeah. so yeah. but no, absolutely and i think uh, what you pointed out even in your earlier conversations was you create awareness yeah you create desire which is what you created yeah then you create knowledge and then you have the ability and you reinforce it Yeah, yeah. It is just uh, I mean this is the kind of framework that I used to follow for change management yeah. to ensure that people are moving in the right direction. Yeah. You can actually move them in that direction if you follow a framework, right? Yeah, yeah. And you keep reinforcing it so that juicy that word. Yes, yes. I mean if you look at any of the good speeches like if you look at a uh, Apple speech of Steve Jobs, you'll see the uh, he will keep repeating the word beautiful. in yes. different ways yes. and that's yeah. what apple is known for aesthetic yeah. right there that one yeah. inside if you find that's all Juicy. you know but it wow. it will not come out in the first intent yeah. yeah. you know first attempt yeah. so uh, you have to i think build a flywheel okay consumer insight you know bring the insight do some work around it take it to the consumer you'll fail again you go back you know so i think yeah. this is a and you know once you will and every insight will give you some revenue i am Absolutely. not saying it will not happen yeah. but once you land with something magical and beautiful yeah. okay yeah, yeah. Th- that's all this, this and you know game. this year we realized that when we merged all the sectors into one sector and we called it urban lifestyle uh we realized okay what are the what is the teams look like uh, with an antil right i mean we had market access team basically people who would just introduce you to um you know uh potential uh, sales or channels or whatever we had a marketing team but we didn't have a customer catalyst or customer research team yeah. which now we started developing and that is crazy insights just imagine if the customer research team uh, is able to give you insights okay across the portfolio and you could also actually uh, you, you could also see one particular um, you know uh, what do you call cosmetic company okay uh, skin care company which is focused on the millennials uh, and there's another nutraceutical company in the portfolio also focused on the same target group is very interestingly you know you can share insights yeah, right for, with both of them that can be wonderful Great. Awesome. So, uh, you know, I'm going to ask you a different question. Uh, I remember coming to your office. Every time I used to go to his office, they all had like they would color their hair in one color. <laughs> somebody would have like a pink color, somebody would have a green color, red color. Oh, tell me tell us more about this. And yeah. you know, ha- this is this is all about you know creating fun in uh, your yeah. workplace, right? Yeah. Because that if you if the teams are happy, then your customers are happy. Yeah. So tell me about yeah, it. Yeah. So I think this kind of started with 
I think one of my early conversations with my founders was I think we had very general rules about how to build the culture that we wanted, right? The first one of the culture was would you have a drink with that person, right? So those are the kinds of people you will enjoy working with over a long time. And uh, so when we were setting up the company, one of the first things that we kind of made a pact between me and two of my founders were, and this was a prior company, that company failed, but the pact remained, right? The pact was like, if we do something off, something meaningful as a milestone in our journey, we'll color our hair in company colors, right? So that was the, that was the pact, and so I did a social network, for location mobile social network for Indians in the US. Yeah. And, and what and do people like me do? So at that point, we decided that we're going to uh, do that. And that was about a year, almost a year and a half before we actually did it. So that company shut down. By then, I'd come to India, and we started Doctacy. And Doctacy, I think the early days were, uh, I think we were profitable until we raised money. Because in the, in the early days, we were like, we need to make money, right? So we figured out the business. We got our first round of capital raised, right? So as soon as we raised the first round, we were like, OK, this is the first milestone. We got a company to be profitable. We raised our first round of money. And so there were three founders. So all three of us said, we'll do it. So uh, actually, four of us were there at that point who decided to do it. Uh, so I we were green and blue were the Dr. C colors. So two people went neon green, and two people went blue. And so I, I still remember the article that got published, because we got a lot of free press out of this, right? Because the story back then was like these founders from Silicon Valley just moved back to India, started a company, raised capital. And I remember Deccan Chronicle printed an area saying, success really got to these founders' heads, and it's like our photo with all colored hair. Uh, so then fast forward a few years. Uh, so I, I, I kept that hair for almost a year and a half, right? So I would, I would continuously um, recolor my hair for about a year and a half. So it started about 2014. I had it till about end of 2015, close to 2016. Then. 2017, we did the next round, right? So we had one of our investors, and that's the round you guys participated in. Uh, we had the next breakthrough saying, hey, let's let's kind of do this in the business. And uh, so when we did that, we, I think there was more excitement from people who were on the core team saying, ab fir karna hai. <laughs> so then 10 of us did it, right? And it is extremely strange the reactions you get. Uh, again, we got a bunch of press out of that. I Two years fast forward, I go into a retail store. I am shopping, I, I think I was shopping for clothes. Guy randomly comes up to me and, Sir, where is your colored hair? <laughs> <laughs> like the recollection that you get out of that, I think it, it, it really is uh, something different. I still have one with a couple of investors, you should join, that the day we exit, all of you have to color your hair. Yeah. I, I don't think I have to color my hair. Either. You have to do it. White on it. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. A bunch of my investors on ex exit dates have committed to coloring their hair. Okay, awesome. Uh, I'll do yeah. that. Yeah. So awesome. we have Prasad joining in, and you'll get a choice of neon green, neon pink, or neon oh my blue. God. Right? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you'll get a lot of uh, hair coloring brands to even sponsor the occasion. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, no, great. You know, look, I think uh, this has been a very uh, enriching and learning session for me uh, individually i mean i know i know i've uh, you know i've talked to all of you individually but i think having all of you in a group and sharing uh, insights uh, sharing experiences from the diverse backgrounds that you've come for the from the diverse businesses that you have built uh, one thing doesn't change and that is the the flame inside you right 
uh, for I can see that, uh, you know, lighting so brightly in each of you. And, you know, even for somebody like Vivek, who's already taken the business to at a unicorn level, he still has this flame as to what next, what should I create, what should I do next? And I think that is uh, the most important thing to preserve in all of us. Yeah. Uh, I think we've learned many things today from adaptability uh, to customer insights, to accessibility, to, you know, uh, how you... Uh, develop entrepreneurship, uh, you know, how you change the business model to actually deliver better quality service. Uh, thank you uh, again for being here, uh, being part of this show. Uh, thank you so much, Prasad. Yeah, thank you so thank much you. for having us. Yeah, fun stories. Yeah, yeah. Love chatting with you. Yeah, yeah.